0: Welcome to the Hidden Why Podcast. This is episode 890, my interview and conversation with Dave McEwen, And today we're talking about leadership, guys. This is absolutely awesome. I hope you enjoy it. G'day, folks. Welcome to another interview here on the Hidden Why Podcast. This is my Monday long-form interview. And today is a cracker. You're absolutely going to love it. This is, you know, these conversations are all about educating, inspiring us. And this topic may seem a little bit off-centered for really what The Hidden Wire is all about, but it's, it's a topic of leadership. And Dave McEwen is an expert in this space. He's been doing it for, I think he said 12 to 15 years, really researching leadership, leadership qualities, tools, creating programs, but going out there in the workplace with people, dealing with people, to really help evolve leadership and that's what he's really passionate about he's going out there and seeing inspirational leaders people that really want to make a difference in their in their careers and their vocations whatever they're doing really helping them improve their leadership skill and that's what we delve into today i absolutely believe that this conversation is important to everyone regardless of whether you're in a leadership role or not because in our lives there's going to be a point where you need to lead whether it's your family whether it's a partner whether it's yourself leadership is an absolutely essential skill nothing is permanent you can do what you want you can lead your life to success and that's why i love having these conversations and that's sort of where i um take the the conversation as well and i hope you pick up on that and i hope you get some value out of what dave has to share on the topic of leadership guys check it out the episode 890 cheers G'day Dave, welcome to the Hidden Wire Podcast, round two. We've, we've attempted this in the, in, <laughs> in the recent weeks.
1: Yes, well thank you for having me back, Lee. Let's, let's hope that this, um, this conversation is as great, as rich and as deep as the last one was that unfortunately we'll never see the light of day.
0: Now we've got high expectations, don't we?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Indeed. Which is great. Hey, uh, well welcome to the show, mate. Appreciate you being here. Now tell us a little bit of uh, a background um, behind what you're currently doing and, and sort of how you got to where you are
1: sure happy to so I originally come from uh, Northern Ireland that wonderful rainy place you and can't tell. um no I know that the accent hasn't quite <laughs> left me yet um, I started my career way back in the UK working for Accenture um, IT consulting mm-hmm. company and I um, during kind of probably the first six or twelve months, I, I realised that actually those leaders in the organisation who were able to get the most out of their team weren't necessarily the ones that were functionally good at their job, although some of them were. But they actually just had a a, a different way of viewing the world and, and operating as a leader. And and to be honest, that twigged my interest and set me off on a journey to not only discover what it meant to be um, a very effective leader, but also to then help other. Leaders develop the mindset and the skill set, the behaviors um, to make that happen. So I moved over to the States shortly after that and really started working in this wonderful world of leadership training and coaching uh, and development. And I've been doing it for 12, 15 years now. Well, um And this is and your yeah. company,
0: Outfield Leadership. You're the CEO? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I, I started. So 12 to 15 years. From- well, I started Outfield I Leadership a couple, about two years ago. Prior to that, I'd been in some other companies that were doing similar leadership training and organizational growth consulting. So there's been sort of a similar thread to all of the work that I've done over the last um, 12 years or so, just in different guises.
0: Yeah, okay, excellent. And what do you uh, find most – what are you most passionate about within the leadership field?
1: I think for me it's, it's – um, whenever I get the opportunity to interact with leaders who truly want to make a difference, um, there are literally millions of people that are in, quote unquote, leadership positions across not just America, but the world. Mm. And there's only a small percentage of it that I think viewed as a true calling, which it is, and and view it that they have the uh, opportunity to impact the people that they work with on an ongoing basis, the customers that they serve and the community that they're in. And when I get to work with those leaders and, and see a desire for them to continue to grow and continue to evolve, I mean, that's yeah. where... that's what gets my fire burning.
0: I suppose you see it often enough where leaders are in positions where um, either they don't have the right characteristics of being a leader and I'm not sure if they can be developed or if that's something that's potentially innate. Is it, I mean, do you think anyone can be a leader?
1: Um, Yeah, I I mean, I do. I think that some of our old beliefs about the leadership models that were out there where, you know, you're either a born leader or you're not Mm. and, You know, we we have um, these sort of old models that say, you know, leaders are typically visionary. They're usually Mm -hmm. outspoken. They're extroverts and they're kind of out leading from the front. And I think the reality is that that the world has moved on and changed a little bit. And and actually, we're moving more towards um, a sense of more vulnerable leadership, more shared collective leadership amongst a group. And I I do think anybody can learn Mm -hmm. and develop it. Mm -hmm. But it, it all it all starts with desire. Right. And right. and I think that there are a lot of folks that end up in leadership positions in their career just because we've been taught that upwards is always best. Yeah. So, you know, a good salesperson gets promoted to sales manager, a good sales manager gets promoted to sales director, and so on and so forth. And we don't often take a moment to say you know what, do I actually want to be in a position of leadership? Because that's very different than my functional job. Like, it's almost like it's a completely different set of skills. So just starting from that that position of making the decision, setting your intention, is this something that I want to do for my life? Is it something I want to develop? Is something I want to grow? Um, is, is a good starting point.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I mean, I sort of agree that everyone can be a leader and and I think we all need to be leaders anyway in our own personal journeys in life. Right. But when you're going into a leadership role, if you don't really have that connection to why you're leading, then perhaps you will never really develop into a strong leader that you could potentially be. I think there needs to be that, like you said, the desire, the underlining reason for for wanting that drive. Now what do you find with those leaders that you work with um, that are very – eager to improve their leadership, what what do you find it is driving them? Is it because they're connected to a field that they're quite passionate about? Is
1: it- yeah, it, it's it's usually one of a couple of things. The strongest and probably usually most effective is the ones that realise that um they have the impact to help those around them develop into better people better leaders um, better learners um, and when you start from that perspective that's the that's the end that we're working towards you know it's not more sales or higher customer service numbers or um, you know opening more offices and global expansion that's sort of the byproduct of, of good leadership which is ultimately a about building the people around you, so I, I, I think that for a lot of people who understand and realise that they've got the opportunity to, to develop those folks, that that's what really spurs good leadership. Um, I'm going to uh, absolutely butcher this, but Tom Peters, who's a, a great leadership thinker, said mm-hmm. something along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing, that as a leader, you have a a a. A greater and more profound impact on the people that you work with over a longer period of time than even a surgeon does, because a surgeon comes in and fixes a particular aspect, whether you've got a dodgy knee or a dodgy hip, and yeah, it might give you a new lease of life, but a leader develops character. Uh, and so those folks that recognize that, I think, are successful. Uh, I think the second category is the one that you mentioned. It's it's those that have such a have a focus on changing an industry or, a, you know, a process market or a country or a people group um who for them that's such a you know the higher purpose and the higher calling um you can get great leaders um with that kind of purpose coming out of them however you can also get really terrible leaders with that that kind of a a, um a purpose and a calling
0: yeah yeah absolutely um what how do you yeah i suppose how do you define leadership
1: For me, leadership is essentially helping our, helping your people achieve their common. Hmm. Yeah, and it's about helping them achieve your common goals uh, and in doing so, helping them um, to develop into the best version of themselves. So it's not enough to just kind of bushwhack your way through a jungle. Um, You've got to be able to bring that team with you um, where you're sharing in a set of um, common goals and in doing so, helping them grow and and develop. I mean, for me, it's all about that. So the development of people to the end of achieving those goals that we've got for, for ourselves.
0: Okay, so helping people achieve the the, the end common goal or the, the common mm-hmm. goal. So mm-hmm. there's there's a couple of things in there. Number one, it's it's about people, like you just referred to or suggested, um, which is pretty important. I suppose then with developing that, you need to develop people skills. Would that be right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean is that I'd... a
0: big part of your work? And. it's
1: it's it's huge it's it's everything i mean at the end of the day if you're not leading people what are you actually leading i mean sure we talk about sports teams leading the table but all they're doing is leading in the series of of numbers the leadership happens on the field in the pitch Hmm. um and that's that's all about people and um my Overarching um, focus is in helping leaders elevate their focus away from the busyness of the day-to-day, hmm. because we've 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 got to such a point where we have allowed anybody to interrupt us at any time and to find their own priority on the importance of that interruption, and, and we're we're just so stuck in the weeds that most leaders get to the end of the day and think back. And think, I know I was hugely busy today, but I'm not quite sure what I actually did. And so my whole work is in helping leaders take a breath, take a pause to say, okay, how do we elevate our focus towards what's truly important, which is about the long-term direction of the team, the development of your people, not just getting through every day. Um, And and that starts with just making that behavioral shift. And then there's a whole bunch of people um, skills that have to go into it.
0: Yeah, okay. What um, I'm just trying to think. I mean, as a, as a leader, so you have to work with the people to achieve that common goal. What are the things that you find with the leaders you work with need to improve? Most importantly, or most primarily?
1: Um, in a lot of cases it's just taking a pause um, I talk about in uh, I've got a, a book just released called The Self-Evolved Leader and I talk about um, micro-disciplines which are these little small um, disciplines that you can build in your in your leadership to be more effective in it and one of them is just pausing um, and you, you have the opportunity to pause in almost every interaction that you have as a leader most leaders are prone to move to action so yeah. the way it typically plays out you know somebody comes in and says hey boss we've got a problem and our natural reaction is just to tell them what to do or to go solve it for them but what we're doing there is we're teaching or training our people that if you've got an issue or a problem just come to me and I'll solve it for you and we're draining empowerment uh, from them and so what we've got to do is actually just take a moment Hmm. and let them come to the to the to the solution themselves
0: yeah okay with With the leadership and the common goals, and I think this is going back to what I was trying to get to before, if there's no passion or belief or reason for that leader um, to be aligned with those common goals or no clear indication of what those common goals are, then leadership's going to be really lacking, isn't it? Because what are they then doing to push the people forward?
1: Definitely. And, and one of the most important things that any leader can do, no matter where you're at in an organization is to sit down with your team and to create a shared vision of where you want to get to, because that's what gives folks the the sense of purpose, the sense of meaning, the sense of I'm part of something that's bigger than me, you know, that transcendentalism that that we're all striving for. Mm. And so sitting down with your team and asking questions like, what would you like your legacy to be if this was the only um, role that you could have, um, in three years, what would you like us to have achieved? What impact would you like us to have had on our customers or our community or the organizations that, that we partner with? And, and getting shared buy-in towards a collective vision, um, that can be a really you powerful really need that, don't step. You? Yeah. Step. yeah. And it, it brings alignment to your team. It helps um, uh, operate as a north star when you're trying to make difficult um, decisions. Do we go in this direction or that direction? Well, you go in the direction that brings you closer, closest to achieving your vision. And, and so to your point, without that vision, you'll have um, employees that are demotivated, a lack of empowerment, and just a sense that there's got to be something more for me out there.
0: Yeah. Because you talk a lot about um, you know, the, the, these characteristics again and, and I think some of the greatest leaders are those ones that have taken an idea or whatever the common goal is or the ambition and then really with the, the vision is communicating and sharing that with that others to really create buy-in, I suppose, to that vision and those, mm-hmm. those goals and then that's what really creates momentum for those people to... Hopefully, with their own self motivation and and self drive, is to grab hold of that and move towards it collectively.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and I think that there are lessons that we can learn from those folks that we put up there as, as great leaders, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's Steve Steve Jobs or Nelson Mandela or Oprah Winfrey or whoever you have as kind of like that, that mm-hmm. focal point of a great leader. H- however, we've got to also then bring that back into the reality of where mo- most of us are. You know, yeah. the majority of leaders out there aren't going to be the next Steve Jobs. They're not going to be the next Mark Zuckerberg. Right. They're not going to be the next Elon Elon Musk. And that's great. That's fine. That's, there's no problem with that. Let's celebrate who you are as a leader and take some of those lessons of great leadership that we have out there, but actually really make it apply for where you're at. So, you know, I don't start from the premise of saying you've got to build a vision statement that involves you going to Mars, but you've got to build a a compelling vision with your team that, that gives everybody purpose for what they do every day.
0: Yeah. Okay. So first step, how do we go about getting the leader, to really buy in themselves to that vision and those goals.
1: Um, yeah, I mean it's like all things. Um, there's there's got to be a, a need there, right? And so um, there are quite often I'll be speaking to a room full of leaders, and some of them put their hand up and say, "There's nothing broken with my team and my leadership," and I don't see a, a need to make any of these shifts that you're saying. And that's fine. That's 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 perfectly great if they're um, if they're living their best selves and they're and they're operating on a successful level, and that's great. But for most leaders out there, just sharing some of the patterns that um, we get trapped in and, and the, the resultant um, the kind of ineffectiveness that it brings, not just to, to their leadership, but to their team is a really good starting point of just flagging for somebody. Uh, oh, yes, I, I can see myself in there. Yeah. So I talk, I talk about um, being trapped in what I call the cycle of mediocrity, which is you're doing okay work but it's not fantastic and the reason that you get trapped in the, in the cycle of mediocrity is because um, you're not taking the time to elevate your focus above the day to day you're not taking the time to build that compelling vision and think about the long term and and so when, when we start from there um, most leaders will go okay I can recognize myself in that or parts of myself in that yeah I want to be better I want to build a, a, a better team so that they're not as reliant on me uh, for our success
0: mm, okay so when you say they're not you know, putting their focus above and beyond the day-to-day, how do we then get them there? Like, What are the tools that you give people to really s- step above? Because I guess that's what happens in leadership. We get bogged down in all the, I guess, some of the important stuff, some of the unimportant stuff, and most likely unurgent stuff, rather than the bigger picture, vision yeah. goals and things like that. How do we and so move away from that?
1: It's- it's a great question. So it's about viewing things from different vantage points or as David Allen and getting things done says different horizons of focus. So we just talked about um, vision for quite a bit. Yeah. That's going to be your highest vantage point, right? That's 50,000 foot level. Um, and so you've somehow got to connect. Achieving that 50,000 foot level with the actions that you and your people take on a day-to-day basis, all of that daily stuff. Mm. And so um, it's about stitching those two vantage points together in a way that's proactive rather than reactive. And and so I, I break it down. I call it building an implementation pulse, which is how do you proactively move from those vantage points to view the, to kind of survey the world around you at an appropriate, level. And so it's things like um, having an annual planning process that says, okay, well, what do we want to achieve in the next 12 months? And does that get us closer to achieving our uh, vision? Once you've set some annual goals, then ensuring that you're taking the time to review them on a quarterly and then a monthly basis, because most leaders are pretty bad at once they set an annual plan, actually coming back to review our progress to it. It's usually done um, on a reactive perspective. It's Usually a drive-by kind of meeting, um, and so my, my the tools that I give leaders is to proactively build in those moments where you elevate that focus. Yeah. Because if you if you think you're going to be able to do it in the busyness of the day-to-day, you've already lost. You have to buy yourself the time to do it. So you stitch up the 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 fifty thousand foot vision level with the uh, runway level actions through a series of of, of vantage points. Okay.
0: Do you, do you recommend like they schedule time to to do this daily or, or how do they go about, you know? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I recommend that you book 12 months out. So if you haven't had an annual planning session, now would be a good time to do it. Uh, And then get get on the calendar quarterly reviews throughout the year, put them in, make them mandatory for yourself and your team. Um, And then even better, if you can do the same with a a monthly review session, because you want to ensure that as you're progressing through that quarter, you know whether you're on track or not. And so Mm. I I, um, usually suggest just doing a real light touch traffic light system. So, of what we're trying to achieve in this quarter, is it a red light, a green light, or a yellow light? If it's a green light, we probably don't need to talk about it. If it's a yellow light, I'd like to hear from you what your um, plan is to get it back on track. And if it's a red light, how can I best help you as a leader to get there so that you're constantly tweaking and changing the approach that you need to take so that when you get to do your quarterly review and then your an- annual review, there, there really aren't any surprises in there because you've made changes and payments yeah. as, as you've gone along. So, yeah, book it out for 12 months and, and make it mandatory and stick to it, um, because, yeah. if like I said, if you think you're going to find some time to do it in the moment, you just never will.
0: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So if we, um, I, I suppose, actually, just a quick question off, off the cuff, but who's your who are the favorite leaders you look up to?
1: Um so, so it's a, a, a funny one. Um, I, I tend not to have a lot of leaders in kind of industry or out there that are doing things, hmm. um, probably because I don't know them well enough. Um, and so I've, uh, you know, there are a couple of folks in my industry of learning and development that um, I look up to for the success that they've had. So there's a guy called Michael Bungay-Stanier who uh, wrote a very great book called The Coaching Habit. Uh, and I think he is really, he has not only um, exemplified kind of the lessons of leadership in in the programs that he teaches, but he's also exemplified it in how he's, he's run his company. Um, so you know, he's, that? what's his name? Uh, his name is Michael Bunge Steiner. Uh, he's actually Australian, funny enough, uh, yeah. but he lives in to- Toronto now. Uh, and he um, started a company called Box of Crayons and wrote a book called The Coaching Habit. And you know, I've, I've, I've watched Michael over the last couple of years and developed a professional and personal friendship with him. And and it's just great to see what he's doing. Um, so it's, it's, um, it's much easier for me to, to, to build kind of those, um, examples of great leadership whenever I see it in action.
0: Yeah. Excellent. What, um, and that makes a lot of sense too. Um, we, we, I, I feel that many of us, um, learn better through observation. Yeah. Um, with the going back to where we were, the leader, and I think this is probably a very important part of the leadership puzzle, is that whilst we may have buy-in and belief and, and passion behind whatever we're trying to achieve, there's a lot of leaders out there, you know, that may be introverted, that may not be able to really communicate that well enough with the people to to get their buy-in, to get them inspired, to you know, really get them motivated to to all work together towards the common goal is it possible to help everyone with that or is you know what do you do in that regard because i'm sure it must be prominent out there because i remember i've been in leadership roles where sometimes i just felt that I, I i don't know didn't have the confidence didn't have the courage didn't have the understanding of about how to really communicate that message and get that buy-in
1: yeah. And, and, and I think there there are two routes that you could go down. One mm-hmm. is to just help coach and work with the introvert to make them slightly less introverted. You're never really going to turn an introvert into an extrovert and, and nor would you want to. But there are th- certain things you can do to give them confidence in, in those moments um, when they're communicating. Um, the second thing, and actually my preference would be to encourage them, number one, to understand that the old belief that our leaders need to be sure of everything is is i think crumbling if not gone and yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah. a lot of reasons where folks are are not confident is because they feel like they can't say i don't know the answer to this and so actually to encourage people that, that that's okay to say i'm not 100% sure whether this is the right direction to go in but based on what we've got in front of us it seems like a good uh, um, a good direction what do you think i think it'll be fun to go there do you want to join uh, join me as we go um and so to 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 take away that fear that they need to be sure of the direction that they're setting in. And and then to to be even more comfortable um empowering those people around them to help lead the way and show the way. Um, It's not a perfect example because it's all showmanship, but if you look at the difference between how Steve Jobs, um, from an outward perspective, led led Apple versus how um, Tim Cook leads Apple, you know, anytime there was an Apple keynote and Steve was there, it was a 90-minute, two-hour Steve Jobs show. He was the one that was in charge. Whereas if you look at what Tim Cook's doing, um, he is sharing that stage with almost all of his executive team. In fact, his time on the stage is is probably one of the shortest out of everybody. And like I said, not a good, not a, not a complete and accurate um, uh, metaphor for, for what we're talking about here. But there are ways in which you can build a team to be um, self-independent gotcha. and not needing you. Uh, and they can carry some of that load.
0: Yeah, okay. So just you've got to work I guess with with the individual character and and you know what's what's comfortable for you I suppose and and use those people around you not use them in a negative way but use those people around you to to help fill the gaps, you know, use the strengths of the team.
1: Absolutely and don't try to be a leader that you're not that's the worst thing that you can do lean into who you are as a leader celebrate it and 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 bolster yourself like you said fill in those gaps.
0: Well I think that goes back to an earlier point which I did want to get to which was uh, vulnerability and I think the old idea of of leadership was you know none of that you really had to close yourself off and not be who you were and you had to be the strong character Um, you know, very disciplined and I can't think of that word right now, but very disciplined and um, right, you know, in that regard. So is that that vulnerability piece? Is that all about, you know, leaning into yourself more and and using that as your own leadership style?
1: Yeah, I think it's huge. and, And more and more, I think we're seeing people turn up at work the same that they are at home and and Mm. i don't think we're i don't think we're completely there yet and i would love to see us get there but you know the way that you talk at home is for a lot of people entirely different than the way they communicate whenever they're in in the workplace which kind of seems a little nonsensical to me um you can speak in normal language and be just as professional um as you can if you're just using a whole bunch of lingo and verbiage that doesn't really mean a lot to a whole bunch of people um what do you think that is why do you think
0: it's not changing so so you know like it oh, should. Definitely. Is it just because there's too many of the old ways still ingrained in us? In y-
1: yeah. I think there is. I think there's just there's just massive cultural um, suck in organisations that makes people feel like they have to talk in a certain way. And it's it's funny you can hear it in conversations, whether it's a phone call or in a meeting. You know, people come in and it for the most part in most organisations we're pretty okay at having the small talk. So people you know talk about what they did at the weekend and you know what sports they were watching and all of that. And then all of a sudden somebody either clears their throat or says. Uh, okay. Well, thank you all for coming, and and automatically it changes, and now we're not communicating with each other in the same way that we would before, and and to me that's always seemed. A- strange and a little weird and I think it's because in it it stems from this place of number one that that belief that we've got to be sure in what we're saying but also number two this kind of sense of like power play over people like if I speak in a certain way Mm. then it's gonna it's gonna illustrate or demonstrate that I have that I belong at this table and you know like I said you can be just as professional in an organization talking in the way that you and I are talking
0: Mm, yeah for sure um do you find women in leadership roles are helping to change this?
1: I, I think that women in leadership roles are helping to change everything that needs to be changed. I mean, do did, did
0: um, they, they? Because I think there's, there's a lot of male pride and ego involved, and maybe that's it's, why it's hard to have that vulnerability in there, whereas women maybe I, are not less inclined to be driven by them.
1: Yeah, I, I think so, and, and I think the the more women that can be active in leadership roles, the better for all of us. I think that, you know, there's still elements of the old patriarchy there healthy for anybody. And, um, you know, I, I don't, I'm not close enough to it, nor would I advocate to to talk on behalf of, um, of women and what they can or couldn't or should or shouldn't do to, to, to get there. But what I would love to see is, is more and more women turning up in leadership positions, um, being completely wholly authentically them, Mm. not feeling the need, need to have to play that Necessary, usually male influenced game, but turning up and saying, "Hey, I'm who I am, and I'm really good at what I do, so let's cut all of the rest of that nonsense."
0: Yeah, sure. What what are the um what are the tools in your kit to help people uh, move into that that vulnerability zone?
1: I think a part of it is um I mean it's scary right being vulnerable is you know by definition a scary place to be yeah. um I think it it starts from being strong and being strong in knowing who you are. And a lot of the reasons why people don't want to be vulnerable is because they fear that, um, you know, at best, they'll be looked at funny in their organization. At worst, they'll, you know, be kind of sidelined and potentially lose their job. And, and to which I say, well, if that's really how you feel about the workplace that you're at, if you feel that you can't be who you are for fear of one of those things happening, then it's probably not a great place for you to be in the long run. So, why not find a way to be a little bit more vulnerable and say, hey, this is who I who I authentically am. Uh, and either they'll respond positively to you, in which case it's a win, or you'll really see what the environment is like, in which case you can then make the choice of whether you want to stay in that environment or, or, or not. Um, so it's scary. Taking that leap can be hard. Um, finding a way to to build adult to adult relationships, I think, with the people that you work with is hugely important. Um, and 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 seeing and understanding that emotion has a valuable place to play in our interactions, um, but harnessing it in a way that's positive. Um, mm. And that's, that's a tough thing to do, but I, I think it comes with with maturity and with that desire to grow and develop. Yeah, it's, it's
0: a hard one, isn't it, that, uh, the being vulnerable in, in the workplace, and I've certainly struggled with that um, in past roles where I thought I had to be someone different. Yeah. And um, certainly, once I started to learn that it was okay to be myself, I, I started to feel my effectiveness rise. And I think if I look at and think about some of the leaders that I've looked up to, uh, still do, I guess, they seem to just be themselves. They seem to break the 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 rules, I suppose, and just be who they are. And that's why mm. people flock to them because they appreciate that vulnerability.
1: Yeah, I think I think you're right. And just that old notion that you've got to leave your emotion at the door, I think, is um, is starting to change. And, and more and more, I think, if we can see that change and break down that barrier and that hurdle, the, the better it is, because, you know, at the end of the day, for most people, they're going to spend a significant portion of their life in whatever workplace it is, whether it's a large corp- large corporation or a small business, and um, almost more time there than they'll spend with their own family throughout their working life. Mm. If you can't be yourself in those situations, like just think about the psychological long term psychological impact that that has on you, an emotional impact, and 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 then there's then that um, there has to be an outlet somewhere for that. So just think about the impact that it, it has on your relationship. Relationships with your family and your friends and just your long-term mental health. And so the more that I see leaders moving towards those types of leaders that you were just describing, mm. the better, because they're truly then creating an environment in which they care for their people. Um, there's, a, there's a load of organizations that claim that they care for their people, but until and unless individual leaders move in that direction, it's it's kind of just lip service.
0: Yeah, are there any particular benefits by being vulnerable that you've seen? Like you know, people seem to... Listen or learn from you better, or people seem to. Um, you know, are there any particular benefits? that you
1: can- Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a raft of benefits. One, it, it, it builds trust in your in your people to you way okay. easier than than not being vulnerable. Um, number two, it it builds likability. I guess. Yeah, there's there's likability there. There's also it builds a. a a culture where issues are more safe to discuss than in other cultures. Um, so often, if there's not, if there's a lack of vulnerability, mm. there's a whole bunch of stuff that's going unsaid that is therefore detrimental to productivity. It's often detrimental to innovation and creativity because we're playing to lose rather than playing to win. Um, it's detrimental on the morale of the team and therefore potential turnover issues. Uh, and so taking that step towards vul- vulnerability can unlock a whole Whole bunch of stuff yeah. um and I'm, I'm not advocating that we all come in and and wear our heart on our sleeve and are just bundling kind of you know share everything that's ever happened in our life that's that's been a problem It's not what I'm saying it, it, it's about actually just being more authentically you and whenever there is something that you need to be vulnerable about it's 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 putting that forward and using it as an opportunity for for you and your team to learn and grow from it
0: you must find a lot of people that you work with um I find that very difficult like what do you do to encourage them
1: um it is and vulnerability depending on on a whole bunch of things your are just your natural genetic makeup your environmental upbringing and, and where you're at um in your life currently mm. it, some of us are more prone to it than others and 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 yeah for for a whole bunch of people just coming up and saying i, I struggle with this um is is fine number 1 just understanding that you struggle with it is is great and so it, it depends then on whether you're wanting to make strides towards that direction uh, or whether your perspective is I'm, I'm not vulnerable and I don't want to be vulnerable and I don't want to move in that direction yeah. at the end of at the end of the day um you can share with somebody all of the benefits of doing something, but it's their personal choice and decision about whether they want to go in that direction or not. Um, and it's never been my desire nor my ego to have to force somebody to do that if they don't want to. Um so you know, somebody were to come up to me and say, I don't I don't get what you're saying. I don't believe in it and I don't buy in it and I don't want to do it. I'll say, That's "That's awesome. Mm. That's great. That's wonderful. Mm. Like I wish you all the very best on on your journey and, and what you're doing. Somebody comes to me and says, I get what you're saying. I find it a real challenge and it's a struggle, but I really want to make the steps and I really want to to move in that direction. That's awesome too. Let's figure out a way to work on that to help you get there.
0: Do you find many people coming to you and saying, oh, no, I don't get what you're saying. It doesn't make sense to me and I'm just going to stick to the the old routes.
1: No, but what what it's usually masked in, funny enough, is people that come and they pay lip service to it. So they say, oh, yeah. I really get what you're saying. Yeah, 100% get it. Uh, yeah, we. I, I need to do that. Yeah, I'll work on that. But you know that they haven't made the commitment internally to make the change. Yeah. That's usually what happens. Because actually, um, you know, maybe one in a thousand people will, will be so i guess there is a degree of emotional awareness there they're just like i don't want to do this but there's um but most people will they'll they'll see it and they'll recognize it and they'll maybe kid themselves that they want to make the change but they they really don't they've just they're just paying lip service to it and do you think that's
0: because it's it's scary and it's it's uncomfortable
1: yeah i think it's it it, there is an element that it's scary and it's uncomfortable also i think that just the notion of learning self-learning and self-development some of us are more attuned to it than others some of us you know we're just voracious readers we love to to to, um take self-reflection and see how we can improve and and grow and and some of us quite frankly and a lot of people in leadership positions their perspective on this kind of stuff is we've got a job to do just let me do my job like i don't i don't really care about this kind of fancy fancy, hippy dippy stuff yeah. I, I just want to get out and do a good job uh, and so part of it's just built into who they are that there's just this closed off like what has worked for me in the past the success that I've got I will just double down on that and I will repeat that until I can do no more and there's not this sense that they want to grow or develop or, or learn so that's usually the category that comes up and says hey yeah I can see the importance of this yeah it's all great and then they'll never really do anything about it,
0: mm, yeah, it's common. Uh, okay, that's um, really cool, man, and very insightful on leadership um, and what your work is. I think that's that's pretty powerful too. And I think you've sort of just touched on. I've, I have this little model that I've just written down here in our conversation, where it was about you know leadership, uh, leading the people, and also buying into the common goals um, to lead mm. the people, but then coming back to the self and making sure you are really, I think this comes to the title of your book, actually, The Self-Evolved Leader, really Mm -hmm. working on yourself. Is that where you got the title from?
1: Yeah it's because it has to start from you um yeah. funny notion in in the leadership training world we spent billions of dollars on leadership training books keynotes webinars interviews a whole bunch of you know classes full day workshops and and actually the um impact that we have probably doesn't show a positive enough return on investment and i think that we've kind of got to this a lot of leaders have got to this point where they believe that the organization's job is to develop them yeah. but I, i'm starting from the the flip side of that, which is where you're going to, which yeah. is if you want to develop, it has to start from you. You're the, the one that has to take this.
0: Yeah, yeah, makes perfect sense. And I think this is why I always relate leadership, you know, because there's a lot of people listening out there that probably aren't in leadership roles, maybe never will be. Um, but regardless of that, there's always going to be some aspects of your life where you have to be a leader. And that might be the leader yeah. of your family, the children. You might be involved in a little community group, whatever it might be. There's going to be an elements and times where you need to maybe step up as a leader for those things. Um, but certainly, I think more importantly is where I like to take this to is you are the leader of your life and you have to be mm. the self-evolved leader of your life. So um, these points all relate, you know, you need to have buy-in to what sort of common goals you're striving towards and you need to lead yourself there and, and I suppose have that level of uh, inspiration internally to keep driving Mm -hmm. you forward and you need to work on yourself as well
1: absolutely I think both of those things are are true Uh, somebody I once worked for said that leadership occurs whenever two or more people are are trying to strive towards common goals and so you you hit the nail on the head whether you're in the family or uh, your local church or your kids soccer group there's opportunities to lead there and 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 all of it then goes back to um, to to that self-leadership I think you're absolutely right
0: uh, Do you find with the leadership that you
1: have to spend in your programs
0: and the people you work with a lot of time on mindset and things like that?
1: Mindset is it's a big part of it. I mean, for for me, for me the. Any behavioral shift usually has to start with a mindset shift. Mm. And so the, the key mindset shift that I'm trying to to get folks to to adopt is to say, I'm gonna move away from being a leader that saves the day, that makes the diving catches, that solves my people's problems for them, that tells them the answer to their to their issues. And I'm gonna move towards being a leader that and we defined it earlier, a leader that helps my team achieve their common goals and in doing so to develop into the best version of themselves. That's the key mindset shift that that I think um, uh, folks need need to make and then as we talked about building a vision on top of that building your implementation uh, pulse um, to achieve your vision and then working through some of these disciplines that you need to get there it's all grounded in that one mindset shift and so if some if somebody hits a point or a roadblock and they're struggling with with some of the transitions that they're making it all goes back to that mindset shift of do you want to go back to being trapped in that um, cycle of mediocrity of the urgency of the day-to-day or do you want to continue to to grow to the point where you're able to deliver excellence on an ongoing basis
0: yeah yeah cool my fantastic stuff so your book is out released in january i think you said is not it
1: that's right yeah it came out in january available in all good bookstores
0: the self-evolved leader elevate your focus and develop your people in a world that refuses to slow down I actually think we began a conversation around the world that's refusing to slow down last time that we had this conversation, (laughs) but uh, technical difficulties put an end to that, but we've done it again, mate. I've got some questions that um, sometimes I do ask guests, and I'm going to ask you a few of these today, and the first one I want to touch on is what sort of routines or rituals do you have in your day-to-day life that you believe contribute to your success?
1: um yeah it's an interesting one I actually think we touched on this a little bit the last time um so because of the nature of my uh, work I have two very distinct set of routines one set for whenever I'm at home and working in the home office and one for whenever I'm on the road yeah. uh, and tra- traveling because I do a lot of speaking and a lot of teaching mm. um and and it's it's funny I have I've I, I fairly comfortably mastered the ones at home. And and for, for, for me, it's all about just setting up the day to ensure that I can work through the work that I need to. So, st- stupid dumb things like emptying the dishwasher, taking the dog for a walk, getting a good workout in, um, having a cup of coffee and reading the the newspaper before I start that just centers and focuses my, my day. Um, and then I, I, I basically block out specific time periods to work on things. So for me, the morning, the morning's all about anything that is creative or, or needs my brain power. And then the afternoons, um, stuff that's slightly a little bit more rote or admin, because I'm very kind of, um, connected into my, my overarching cycles of, of, um, productivity so I, I feel really good about the stuff at home mm. and then I'll go tr- go travel and I have the best intentions to do something similar and then the jet lag kicks in and the time zone difference kicks in and you know I've got all these good intentions to get up in the morning to work out and then that doesn't work out and so I'm still working to kind of perfect the the travel uh, routines and rituals a little bit more
0: what do you do there like when you because I can certainly relate you know for example if I have a, a, a terrible night's sleep where I'm up and actively thinking you know early in the morning and I can't get back to sleep uh, it does throw up my day and I'm very much like you whereas in the morning i focus on the, the the stuff that's important first the brain activity stuff the, the creative stuff and then the afternoon more admin stuff that you can just sort of do without too much uh, mental effort I suppose but um, when things are thrown off that certainly upsets that.
1: Yeah definitely and it, the For me, whenever I'm on the the road, what I'm usually doing is teaching or training or speaking, and so funny enough, uh, you know, it's a set kind of program that I'm running, and so my goal is to get at least five hours sleep if I can, and and usually the direction that I go in for my travel, I'm in California, so it's usually always eastward, which means that the time zone shift um, is not working in my favor, so I'm usually try to get to sleep by 11 30 12 which is way later than i'd like to up by six at the latest to try and get a workout and some breakfast in and then ju- it's just into the program and you, then you just get into the into the into the zone right so then it's momentum how do you get into that zone after
0: like do you normally what's your normal um sleep hours uh
1: i normally get a good eight hours so oh, it's okay. it's yeah so with so
0: five i mean you must notice the difference on your energy oh. level and mental clarity i certainly do
1: definitely um, and most of all whenever I get back home so whenever I'm doing a session so let's say I've got um, a day and a half workshop to do usually the adrenaline and momentum it gives you the momentum and a little bit of caffeine to get through the day Mm -hmm. Um, you get a slightly better sleep the second night then up and then it's kind of the adrenaline knowing that you're going to be finishing up a session and then it's usually once I get on the plane to come back I just kind of everything hits me and then it takes me a day or two to kind of recover the other end so I'm, I'm i'm trying my best i'm trying little things here and there to to, to stop that happen um Anything you know in even, particular well i've even considered staying a day later after a session so that because usually what i do is i'll finish the session I'll, I'll race to the airport and um uh you know just no time to decompress and then it's a five hour six hour, seven hour journey back so my wife has actually suggested that i'd stay a day later and just says that, yeah. look just relax, take your time, have get caught up in a little bit of sleep, and then whenever you're flying back, you'll be a little bit more energized because, you know, unfortunately for her, she gets to deal with me running at 60% for a day or two afterwards, so <laughs> yeah. kind of playing with that a little bit. Um Also just doing things like trying to drink like herbal tea the night before, you know, like chamomile tea, just to try and, and take the relaxation down to get a little bit better sleep to maybe just crank out another hour or two because if I could get six i'd be doing okay it's just whenever you hit that five mark it's a little tough
0: yeah i can yeah i can definitely relate what (laughs) um what advice would you give your 20 year old self
1: um gosh um don't worry so much slow down a little what will happen will happen. And then the greatest bit of advice that that actually somebody else gave me when I was 20 was um, keep more windows and doors open than you close on a, on a yearly basis. Um, mm. And by that, by that, she meant, you know, don't be don't narrow your focus too early. Um, just keep things open a little bit and, and, and you'll have more opportunities um, that. It's interesting if, advice. Yeah. yeah. Because you
0: get a lot of people that say, you know, niche down, narrow down, focus, 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 rather than you know keeping those those visions and, and fields open.
1: Yeah, and you know what? It's it, if you're an eight year old and and you wake up and you're like, I want to be a doctor, and it's the only thing I ever want to do, then yeah, I'll go in, you know, niche down into that. For a lot of us who just think, I'm not quite sure what I want to be, I just keeping a broad range of opportunities open, I think can be really helpful. And and then continue to look back on your life, because I think where we've been tells us so much about who we are as a person. And you know, something that I've noticed now that I've got a decade and a half almost of kind of professional experience under me, just noticing that the common threads through some of those decisions that I've made that mm. that were not necessarily conscious at the time, conscious decisions that I made, but you know, building humanity into leadership is definitely Definitely one of those sort of conscious threads, a um, continuous threads that 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 I've had.
0: Yeah, yeah. I like it. what. How do you define success?
1: Depends on the day of the week and how I'm feeling. Um, hmm. Ultimately, ultimately for me and, and what I guess I'm striving to do is to have the the biggest impact that I can um, given the. Um, situation that i've that i've been thrust in so so much of life we don't you know we don't determine for ourselves um we don't determine where we're born who we're born to what mm. um, schools we go to uh, we don't determine a lot about our, our natural um uh, genetic makeup in terms of how we show up and our skill set and all of that yes it can be built on and developed um but when i i get to that wonderful point when i get to look back across all of my life and career i just want to know that i did the best with the cards that were dealt to me because yeah. i feel fortunate that i was dealt a particularly strong set of cards and i, and I want to do that justice
0: okay yeah it's fair what um do you have a particular tool technical resource that um one tool technical resource that has helped you with your overall productivity effectiveness
1: um, I'm sure you've come across this many times. Getting things done by David Allen was hugely, um, hugely impactful on me uh, whenever I first read it many years ago. Um, I was never, I never adopted it whole scale because I think it's a little heavy, but there's just some really good stuff in there. Um, recently, the work that Cal Newport has done, he's a professor over here in the States on attention management has been very influential on me. And the current tool that I use that uh, drives a lot of, if not everything that I do is a uh, it's just a, a web. Based and um, phone, yeah. phone based app which for me it just it it works really well in my productivity system I um, had mm. I had to, I had to I had to stop about eight or nine years ago because it was one of those worlds where there are so many tools available and so many methods that I was sort of on this hunt to find the perfect productivity system and tool and spending more time tweaking that than actually getting work done. And so I try as much as possible to to just keep something lightweight that, that keeps ticking over for me
0: yeah I'm the same I can I've certainly gone into tech apps and stuff like that to help with productivity and it's just not so I go back to old school generally
1: right yeah
0: um what uh if you were to be served your last meal what would you request
1: um my wife makes an awesome vegan mac and cheese so it would be that
0: awesome vegan mac and cheese are you a vegan
1: yeah have been for about about five years
0: yeah nice nice um favorite vegan food vegan mac and cheese then
1: uh, my wife's yeah, she yeah. she makes an awesome vegan cheese with uh, cashews. That's that's just uh, it's incredible.
0: Yeah, nice. Um, I'll need the recipe. What um, what gives you the greatest sense of joy?
1: Um. Wow, that's a big one. I think I think seeing people, seeing other people fulfilled, or a sense that they're living up to their potential, um, particularly people that I know or have had a you know a relationship with.
0: Okay. If you could pass a book down to your children or future generations, what one book would you pass down?
1: Um, Great book called The Self-Evolved Leader by Dave McEwan. That's Um, a good one. Um, I'm just looking around my um, bookshelf at the minute. I think, you know, I don't think I have an all-time favorite. It's got to be this one. Um, I think Alexander Hamilton by Ron Chernow, on which um, Lin-Manuel wrote the um, Broadway show, is just an incredible um, work of art and science and biography and everything. I think it's a really, really, really um, great book. So what is I think it? probably um, uh, the biography of Alexander Hamilton um, uh, by Ron Chernow. And it was the book that Lin-Manuel Miranda took whenever he wrote the Broadway musical of Hamilton that's now a, you know, multi-billion dollar success.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, do you believe we all have a hidden why or a hidden purpose?
1: Um... I don't know if it's all, if we all have one inherently within us. I think we all have the ability to develop one. Definitely. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, yeah. I would say we've all got the ability to develop one.
0: Okay. Last question for you. What do you believe is the underlying motivation behind everything you do?
1: Providing me choice.
0: <laughs> Choice. I think
1: that's it. Yeah, just just um living in a world where I, I get to decide for the most part what I what, what I focus my, my attention on. Why is that important? Um I, I don't know why it's important. I'm sure it goes back to childhood and stuff there. I just know that um Doing things out of a sense that you have to do them or that it's an obligation never really sat with me. I, I I've always wanted to be in a position where I do something because I want to do it. Um, that doesn't mean that everything that I do is, you know, wonderful and me, yeah. you know, living my best life. But, fi- like for you know, take for example, in a couple of months here, it's going to be tax season in the U.S., and I'm going to have to <laughs> file my, you know, I have to file my taxes legally, sure. but and it's a it's a chore but i want to do that i'm going to make the choice to want to do that because it's good for well personally and for the business and it's you know something that um i don't want to say i have to do it so i think that no matter what the boring level of the task or how kind of meaningless it feels to be able to say i'm doing this because it leads on to x y or z for me that's important
0: Mm. yeah mate it's um yeah good chatting with you we got through it. It's been good to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me on, Lee. I really appreciate it. But, um, we'll stick the, the book link and, and other links in the show notes for this episode. Um, so that'll be at thehiddenwide.com. But uh, how can people best reach out to you, David? You've got a website, obviously, out um, outfieldleadership.com. Yep. Is there any other channels or anything else you want to sort of mention?
1: Yeah, outfieldleadership.com if you're interested in um, just what I do and my my uh, uh, services, uh, self leader.com for the book, uh, and then I'm on most social cha- channels, um, mostly active on Twitter at Dave McCueen and then LinkedIn as Dave McCueen as well. Would love to connect with anybody there.
0: There you go, guys. Reach out, Dave. Thanks again, mate. Been a pleasure.
1: Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Mate.
0: Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon. Everything with greater purpose, and in doing so, you will discover your hidden white. This is the hidden white. My name
1: is Lee Manutzi. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon.